Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Mizaida, author, psychic, spellcaster, rootworker, and witch. You can find her at MissAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. She's a tarot reader, spiritual medium, and healer. And you can find her at TarotByGinger.com. And also, Alan Questell. And you can find him at UncommonSensing.com. And his new book is... Intentional Acts of Kindness. And again, that is at UncommonSensing.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today. This is a special episode, actually. This is, we're doing a psychedelic roundtable. And uh, this was the idea of Stephen Gray. And, and those who've listened know who Stephen is. And those who don't know that Stephen Gray is a teacher and writer on spiritual subjects and sacramental medicines. And he's worked extensively with Tibetan Buddhism, the Native American Church, and with anthogenic medicines. And he has a book called How Psychedelics Can Help Save the World. And these guests are all contributors to his book. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And the people are members of the roundtable are Chris Killam. And Chris is a medicine hunter, author, educator, and TV personality who promotes natural plant medicines and sustainable trade in indigenous cultures. He has conducted, I don't know if I'm going to say this word right, ethnobotanical, did I say that right? You got it, nailed it. (laughs) Plant research in more than 45 countries. And we have Solana Booth. Solana is enrolled in in the... I'm going to pronounce the Nooksack <laughs> Nation of the Chief Dan George family and Mohawk from Bay. Is it Quinty? Hmm. I don't know if it's that one. Where, where the Peacekeeper was born, Way Al House of the, the Civil. Peacekeeper of the, the Iroquois Confederacy, that one. Yeah. And. Um, so we have you, and we have G. William. Let me read the rest of your file here. Try to do it. Um, Bob Booth family, Raven Clan. She is the mother of nine, grandmother of two, baby girls. Solana has graduated with honors in the field of earthly childhood special education, then was immersed as a bona fide prenatal, postnatal psychology practitioner and lactation and birth work educator, Solana's first food advocate, somatic archaeology, and general brain spotting practitioner. She is also an advocate for sacred principle consult in her tribal whole health care, historical general trauma recovery trainings, her health and human services work with Native Americans, First National Tribes, health care provides in private organizations, family, survivor, violence recovery, facilitation, drug and alcohol recovery, development, and many other initiatives and responsibilities. And we have G. William Bill Bernard, and he is the professor of religious studies as well as university 
as, as a university distinguished teacher professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. His primary areas of research and interest are comparative psych philosophy of mysticism, religion, and the social sciences, contemporary spiritual spirituality, religion, and healing, and consciousness studies for over 15 years, including his ongoing study of Portuguese. Professor Bernard has researched the Santo Dame tradition in uh, what's this word is syncretic ethnogenetically based new religious movement that emerged in Brazil in the mid 20th century. Professor Bernard is the author of Living Consciousness, the Metaphysical Vision of Henry Bergson, as well as Exploring Unseen Worlds. William James and the Philosophy of Mysticism, both published in the State University of New York Press. In addition, Professor Bernard is the co-editor of Crossing Boundaries, essays of ethical status of mysticism, such as Pedagogy in Religious Studies, The Nature of Religious Experience, Issues in Psychology of Religion, and most recently, the Ethogenic Religious and Spirituality. So thanks, everybody, for coming on. And um, I'm sorry if I messed up those bios. Those were a little tricky for me. And, uh, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and we're going to be talking about how the psychedelics can help the world. And, you know, we have this format, so... Um, I mean, <clears throat> so, uh, we had the first question that we wanted to ask and everybody's going to have some time to answer it is what do you see as the role and importance of psychedelics in this time of rapid change and upheaval? So, I mean, that's a kind of a big question, you know, cause I think that obviously the solution to all the problems that we're going through is somehow raising consciousness and trying to change how people think or at least give people the idea an idea that there's more options available to them what they might currently be aware of and i believe that psychedelics could play a role in that so um i guess we'll start with uh steven hmm. okay sure um well thanks for that uh gary um and um just so bill doesn't have to do it i'll say that the um church religion that he's been working with is called the santo daimi oh. um, and uh, daimi is a portuguese portuguese word that i believe means give me mm -hmm. which is your petitioning of the spirit for wisdom and so on i believe anyway um <clears throat> right so um, maybe i'll just say a little bit about uh, how this, you know, what, what's the genesis of this book? Um, uh, so I've been, um, and while I'm not saying that, I'm going to put in a plug for our Spirit Plant Medicine Conference in Vancouver, uh, which is now in its 12th year. And I've been, um, co-organizing that with a focus on, um, uh, the speakers and so on for the last 11 of those years. And in fact, 14 of the contributors to this book are past presenters at the conference. Chris Killam is one of those, and Chris is, I don't know, this is, you're going to be there again this year, Chris, and it's, yeah, I think, kind of your fifth time or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. Fourth? I think this is my uh, eighth, 
I believe. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This happens when you get to my age, you know. Um, you, time flies faster than you think uh, it did. Um, and uh, and uh, Bill Bernard is also going to be one of our speakers uh, this year. And also so that Bill doesn't have to toot his own horn, he has an, a, a relatively new book out, which I'm going to be reading this summer, called Liquid Light. Um, uh, and so... And Solana is also a past uh, presenter at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference. So I, 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 I've known a lot of these people. As I said, 14 of the contributors of the 25 contributors to the book uh, are past presenters, um, or in this case, <laughs> present presenters um, uh, to the, uh, pardon me, at the conference. And so it wasn't that much of a stretch, but uh, I mean, to kind of make contact with a bunch of these people uh, that I've known for quite a while, oftentimes, and people were really willing and happy to jump on board um, because I think they share more or less, and they can speak for themselves, of course, but I think these people share a similar prayer or vision. Um, so what's been kind of um, evolving in my mind for quite a long time uh, is increasing awareness from, you know, just my own experience, but also from reading and from talking to people that we have reached a, um, a crisis point on the planet. Uh, and <clears throat> it's been developing for a long time. And uh, uh, basically, uh, my desire for or my wish to put this book out was a wish to um, uh, contribute to the vision that there is there is hope for us as a species, you know, um, I'm, my concern, and I think of many other people, is that as the sort of stability of the current trajectory of the way the planet is uh, operating, the, the, the sort of dominant mindset at multiple levels uh, unravels or becomes less viable, less stable, um, less supportive, uh, and not to mention the uh, sort of scary um, changes in the climate that are going on, uh, that it's going to be very uh, tempting, in a sense, for uh, people to become uh, afraid, even terrified in some cases, and um, anxious and depressed. We're apparently already seeing a, a, a lot of uh, increase in anxiety and depression um, in Western culture, possibly around the world for the most part. And uh, so um, uh, one of the chapters or one of the contributors to the book is Dwayne Elgin, who says that, you know, what the, what the world needs is a story that they can that people can hook on to. The story has to be simple, it has to be understandable, has to be plausible, and it has to be actionable, so to speak. Um, and while I'm mentioning Dwayne, I'll say that um, his chapter uh it doesn't even, he actually doesn't even mention psychedelics directly in his chapter. Um, he has a book called Choosing Earth, which is a wonderful book, by the way. And uh, what Duane postulates is a possible or maybe even probable, he doesn't get too, you know, on the soapbox about all this, um, uh, trajectory of where the planet might be going over the next 60, 70 years. And so he lays it out in the book, decade by decade. And over the next several decades, it's more about the unraveling that I spoke of uh, briefly here. Um, but then um, as that happens, um, uh, then there is this potential that if enough of us wake up, you know, enough of us participate uh, in in some, uh, uh, you know, kind of, ult you might call the ultimate vision, or you might even say it's the vision, you know, of connection to our true selves, connection to the divine, whatever you want to call it, then there is a possibility of what Duane 
calls um, uh, the birth of a mature planetary civilization, perhaps around 2070 or something like that. And on that note, I also, because this is central to the book, I also want to make a reference to Chris Bache, who has an amazing book called LSD in the Mind of the Universe. And in fact, I think it was Chris that told me about Bill. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so Chris, uh, I always try to get this as short as I can, which barely does it justice. And then I'll finish and you know let somebody else uh, follow up here. Um, uh, Chris undertook a 20-year, what turned out to be a 20-year journey of 73 high-dose LSD sessions in the Stanislav Grof protocol mode, which was at home or in a safe place with eye shades, music on the headphones, and a sitter to keep you safe, etc., and then transcribing the session the following day meticulously in detail, uh, which he did. Um, and so, especially over the latter third or so of that 20-year period, um, he started to receive, uh, he, he was receiving information from what he variously called the vast intelligences of the universe. Um, and the, the message that became increasingly strong and clear, or especially as I say, the last third or so of that 20 year period, is, was that we are going through a death and rebirth trajectory or cycle on this planet. They didn't give many timelines, none of this 2012 stuff or anything like that. Um, so that we, if this is indeed true, we have no idea how long it's going to take. And in fact, I would say for our generation or for the people that are on the planet now, um, for us, ideally, uh, this is my, I don't know, my belief, my hope, uh, is that we're working for those future generations. Because I think it's not going to likely to turn around in my lifetime anyway. Um, so um, again, I'll just sum up by saying that uh, that um, the reason for the book is to hopefully bring a um, uh, an understandable, uh, plausible, um, positive message. You know, as we go into what might be an increasingly challenging time for the planet. Aho. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go in the order that's on my screen. So next on my screen is Bill. And again, the question was, what do you see as the role and importance of psychedelics in this time of rapid change and upheaval? Great. I, I wanted to begin first by thanking you, Gary, for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being on. <laughs> yeah, it's just a joy. It's always a pleasure to talk about these things that really matter, right? And thank you, Stephen, for organizing the book this wonderful book you know and having the vision to do it and so it's um it's just a i, I was very happy to be part of this book um you know let's hope that it it really serves its its role to really help to as you say to give people hope and to give to underscore the potential transformative um power of, of working in a responsible, thoughtful, heartfelt way with psychedelic substances, right? And so I, I want to mention that really, I mean, I, I mean, I know the question was more generally about psychedelics, but really my area of, I don't even call it expertise, but the area of which I've been, uh, the, the way I've been trained to work with psychedelics is through, as um, Stephen mentioned, the Santo Dain religious tradition. And so I really, I, I, I would never claim to, like to be a spokesperson for the Santo Daimony at all, but at least just so it was really clear that primarily my perspective is going to come from that from that vantage point. So when I was writing the, um, that book that Stephen mentioned, Liquid Light, I interviewed a couple of uh, really important Santo Daimony elders, 
a woman, Isabel Barset, a real beautiful, just incredible um, woman. And um, Padrino Alex Polari, uh, again, just a beautiful, wise, clear, loving, open-hearted person. And uh, which is, the, these people themselves are testament to the transformative power of, of these substances when, when they're being used with 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 um, uh, you know with discipline and 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 that's the thing I like about the Santo Daimi. It's like we have these this beautiful powerful sacrament. Um, you know we call it the Daimi, as Kenneth Stephen mentioned. It means give me as in give me light, give me love, give me strength, right? Um, but it's it's another, usually known by ayahuasca, and um, this particular substance. What I love about uh, working with it within the Santo Daimi tradition is that we get a chance to do to drink together and to have a genuine shared communal communion with this uh, sacrament, a genuine sacrament, which to me allows. Um, it, it, I, I was at one point going to call the book uh, "Liquid Grace," actually. So this sacrament. Uh, offers the possibility of a genuine, ongoing, extremely powerful um, connection to the to that divine source. And so, when I was talking to these two elders, what they were saying is, like, you know, because I was asking, well, what's the goal of being a dynista, someone who's in this path? And they say, well, really. And I was struck when I listened to the interview because I had forgotten it was basically identical. It's basically like, well, the goal for a dynista is to wake up to the I am. You know, and, and the I am for, within our tradition is the presence of what we call the Christ consciousness. It's that power of divinity that is manifest within each person's heart, that it, the presence, the living living presence of divinity within, within each person's heart, um, that's coming into this world to transform and uplift uh, and to to unravel contracted energies to help each of us to awaken to our divine natures, right? And so from their perspective, what what the goal of Dimista is to basically to learn what it means to be a son or daughter of God, to and to get, be given an opportunity to practice and live time, um, to practice being a Buddha, to genuinely over and over again sort of immerse ourselves in these really high-level energetic fields of, of, of consciousness, um, with a with a be- that sort of beautiful intention to you know to wake up and to help others to wake up to help the planet wake up so it's not just for within the santo Daimi tradition for sure and i think within psychedelic this sort of the psychedelic vision that often manifests within people you know is that sense of our deep interconnectedness of all of life and and the presence of you know of that those these divine powers, these powers of light that want to help us to undergo that process of transformation that is so important, right? And um, I can talk a lot a lot more about this, but you know, to me, that's what that's what my chapter was is called, called becoming divine beings, right? So I wanted this, and and it was about basically what I did. I do is I share this. Um, Received message that I we, we talk about receiving um, usually hymns within the Santo Daimi, you know, where they just sort of like downloads, and this was like a just something that just like just poured through me, 
and I wanted to receive it. It was about what we call it in the time divinization, right? And it's that process of incarnating divine energies such as love and compassion and wisdom and joy and freedom and creativity, and and doing this to the to the to the deepest, most profound extent possible with grace. I think with uh, you know so that fusion of sort of grace and self-effort trying to be as i put in or, or what came through me is like to be fully ordinary and to be fully extraordinary at the same time how can you hmm. do and to be just really what does it mean to be a full human being right and so i think that's that's to me that's one of the things that psychedelics especially with, again used with reverence used in sort of a committed ongoing way which is within the psalm I mean, that's certainly the way i'd like to work with them as, as you know, can help to we can help to become conduits for that light and that love and that divine presence, that transformative power in this world. Um, and to me, that's the hope for the world: is so each of us taking that responsibility to uh, be as transparent uh, conduits of, the, of the, that those divine energies as possible. Which to me is what divinization is. Right? And, and I talk about this linked to Christian mysticism and things like this too. But, but anyway. Um, I I forgot to check my timing, and so <laughs> it feels like about five minutes to me. So I think I, I'm just going to just like wrap it up and just obviously a lot more to say, but it's a, just a joy at least to say that. <laughs> oh, this is certainly a beautiful answer. <laughs> um, um, so next up is Christopher, and again the question is: What do you see as the role and importance of psychedelics in this time of rapid change and upheaval? I think that the role of psychedelics at this time, and we definitely live in a very fractured world in which there's a lot of confusion, is absolutely no different than the role that they have played um, throughout all time. Not a bit. Uh, they are meant to blow open our uh, minds. They're meant to enable us to achieve very rapidly states of consciousness and experiences that are otherwise very hard to obtain through austerities and yogic practices and a lifetime of meditation and all of that. And, uh, you know, sort of what Joseph Chilton Pierce calls cracking the cosmic egg. Um, if we're, you know, we're born into this society, we're born into this world, and, and as a result of just living in and being in and traveling around in and participating in the world, we wind up taking on thousands and thousands of notions, large and small, just as part of our everyday living, the way we take in food and, and water and air. And part of what psychedelics do is help us to blow past that, uh, to get past any of those notions that just might not be helpful, might not work. Uh, that's why they're all called medicines. You know, I mean, ayahuasca, I've been very fortunate to have, you know, sat in I don't know, 135 or so ayahuasca ceremonies in the Amazon. And it's always called the medicine. Uh, when you think about peyote, uh, the way it's administered in the Native American church ceremonies, it's called the medicine. When you take San Pedro in a ceremonial situation, say with a shaman shaman or something from northern Peru, it's called the medicine. They're all medicines. And in the broadest possible sense of healing, uh, they help us to be better integrated if, if we're not just 
doing them because, you know, we've done every other high and haven't done this one yet. So, you know, why not belt down a cup full of this stuff? The intention oh. is definitely super important. But I would also say, you know, you look at, at some of the, uh, like Richard Spruce, one of the great ethnobotanists in the late 1800s, you know, he describes an ayahuasca ceremony in Colombia that was basically a big monster party. They were drinking ayahuasca. They were smoking huge uh, mapacho cigars. They were drinking cacherie. They were drinking coffee. They were blowing uh, DMT snuff up each other's noses through bifurcated turkey bones. They were doing it all. And yeah, maybe that's not what we think of as the ideal healing ceremony, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I think sometimes that's also exactly what's required. You know, as teenagers, my friends and I in the in the 60s, we didn't have the information people have today. We didn't have the guidance people have today. We didn't have access to resources. We took LSD in humongous quantities and we had great experiences. And, you know, we learned from those and almost everybody I know became a more integrated person and involved in things natural and more caring for the environment and more sensitive to human rights. And it, it's really, you know, it, it's like wearing down a stone with water, with drops of water. If we're really going to have an impact on the consciousness of the world, it means we all have to carry the medicine. And carrying the medicine means taking those lessons that we learn, you know, when you're having a full on, uh, mystical experience on, you know, whatever psychedelic you're, cons you've consumed in whatever situation you have and your sense of self dissolves and you have this full realization that leaves out no part of you that everything is one and that we're all interconnected and you just get blown away by the, the full and thorough and complete and undeniable realization that love is the only thing that matters. When that really happens, when that takes place in your soul, then that sets emotion that's undeniable, undeniable. You have to work hard to fight against that realization later on. And so if you carry that forward, it affects what you do. And if you have millions and millions and millions of people who one way or another, whether they're wearing eye shades in a clinic and they're holding somebody's hand and they're listening to white noise or they're running through the woods exhilarated, you know, on 270 mics, whatever's going on, uh, if they wind up carrying the medicine, then they do contribute to a better world by making an infinitude of better uh, choices every single day. Uh, you know, we're not going to get a bodhisattva out of this. Nobody's going to eat 108 peyote buttons and wake up and be the enlightened one and guide the world. That's baloney nonsense. But we can all be part of that consciousness shift, and that means carrying the medicine. Wow. <laughs> Another great answer. And um, next is Solana. And um one question again. It is... What do you see as the role and importance of psychedelics in this time of rapid change and upheaval? Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> now, call us cloak ICM, Icepotachi, CISM. Solana, Ishtene Weji, Lethlin Blue, Dewayu, Nuxak, Simsian, Mohaka Bay Quint, Dawanu, Beatrice Anderson, Chief Sam George, Chief Joe Ortiz. William Booth, Violet Atkinson, 
Chiefs Chakes, White Owl House of the Wolf, Gunhara, Raven Clan, Owanu, Timakochi Chante, Tanakus, Nulaksuwaida, Lani Limina Utsu, Awu Miam, Dimgan, Wildwood Nuan. I had to do a proper introduction for myself to honor not just my people and my clans and my lineage, but myself. My three Indian names are Solana, Ishdeniwaji, and Lethlin Blue. And I appreciate the question and the invitation. Stephen, thank you for the, the reaching out. And you caught me at a good time because I was like able to respond right away. So thank you for this call. Thank you for your answers. Um, Christopher and Bill, appreciate your reverence and discernment around what I call mother's breath. I don't like referring to these plants as psychedelics because it's got nothing to do with the psyche alone. To me, um, and my work and my practice and my experience and my um, expertise uh, beyond all of that, my lineage and these creation stories, um, like the one I contributed to, um, to the book called First Aids, I prefer to use storytelling as the main modality to, <clears throat> to relate, to create a relationship to mother's breath, to what you're referring to as psychedelics. I feel like um, if we can work and focus on a reorientation to mother's breath, to the grace that Bill was mentioning, to the medicine that Christopher was um, reminding us of and remembering, remembering these parts of ourselves that, you know, that's why they, these plants, they remind us and they give us like that comfort and they give us like that feeling it's, it's not the psyche at all. Like, it's not about being mindful. It's not about um, thinking and having all those, like Christopher talked about, all the different from the day you're born, throughout the days, throughout the nights, like all these interactions and all these engagements um, without a relationship, without a proper orientation to your own mother's breath. How are you really going to discern kindness or goodness or bad or or evil or wicked or what is right or what can help your neighbor live or what can help the baby be fed at night or what can help the pregnant people have a good delivery um i feel like this question is is even deeper than what the words are <laughs> stephen um i feel like it's it's not just about the psychedelics it's about the relationship too mother's breath it's about the relationship what is what is the responsibility what is the accountabilities and what's the story behind the medicine like the peyote these uh this mescal this is before peyote this mescal this is before peyote for the nac um these medicines have their own creation stories just like you like bill has a birth story. Christopher has a birth story. Stephen has a birth story. No matter what stories they are, Gary too. I do too. Every single one of us has a belly button. And so according to our own, how we orient to ourselves and our own relationships, no matter what what they're called or what they're, what they're named, that is going to determine the reverence or determine the lacking or the, determine the deficit. Um, in relationship to mother's breath or psychedelics. And so I, I feel like um, to support people in reorienting 
um, I prefer to use storytelling and how the peyote came was by a woman, how um, mother's breath was found, the psilocybin, the mushroom was by a young girl who called the, all the plants back. Um, same thing with ayahuasca, it's a grandmother. Um, the peyote, it was found by a woman, but the peyote themselves are grandfathers. And and so there's like all these, all these comforting um, relationship opportunities, all these like relationship promises, like promises of a relationship, like some kind of orientation is possible, some kind of reconciliation is possible so that um, maybe our <coughs> personal thinking of kindness or goodness or health or wealth or privilege, our own interpretations and definitions of these things are skewed according to our lens, right, that Christopher was talking about, the discernment. And so if we can not only be open to to different furring, to referring, to remembering all the different possibilities of each plant, of each um, each whisper of like mother's breath and like all the potential love, the potential understanding, the potential holding of the emotional self, which people don't like to talk about. But that is really the main reason behind the psychedelic movement is people want to heal is, um, you know, I'm also the American uh, Psychedelic Practitioners Association chair person, and we are, you know, wanting to roll out PPGs for psychedelics and Western medicine. And that this question also can be supportive of that, of spirituality in the Western world. A spiritual Spiritualism is in medical writings now, and... I think we need to be also open to the idea of of honoring even more parts of ourselves, even more parts of our lineage, so that we don't keep repeating the same awful things. So we don't, um, so that we don't continue to normalize this chaos. It, I mean, Stephen, you mentioned a little bit, but you know, being an Indian, uh, you know, I call myself an Indian because, according to the United States, I'm an enemy. I'm not even a person. I have a number. And there's not one other race of people that has a number in this whole world. This whole world, because I was supposed to be extinct. So now I have a number. So now I get to re-relate to all these plants and mother's breath and these stories in an even stronger way, in an even deeper way, to be able to hold more salt water for the killer whales, right? And, and aren't we all just wanting more salt water? Aren't we all wanting to sweat and cry and find our way back to our highest selves and find our way back to peace? so we can be authentic, so we can be genuine when we're with our loved ones, when we're wanting to have ceremony, don't we all just want to be able to snap back into it instead of not be ready, not be ready because you're, it's too chaotic? Like this question to me is, is a very rich and deepened question. And I just, my, my heart goes out to um, those ones that haven't had the privilege of even being called to a conversation about psychedelics or mother's breath and those that you know have a number and those that don't have a number um, my hands go up to each of you on this call and thank you for the invitation and i'm not sure where i'm at in time so <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, fantastic answer you know um i used to do psychedelics when i was a teenager you know and i did it like like 
you know, the rock concert thing. You know, that's all I had available to me was like LSD and, um, you know, heavy metal concerts in the 80s. And, and I didn't think much. I, di- I disregarded all those experiences when I, and then I stopped for a long time. And even though we, now I haven't done it. But I had like a near-death experience that gave me something like what Chris was talking about that really kind of gave birth to this whole podcast and this whole idea of, you know, what is this consciousness that I'm experiencing? And what, you know, because when I had that near-death experience, I felt complete peace. Mm-hmm. And I was with that oneness. And it was indescribable. And when I woke up out of it, I was kind of angry that I woke up out of it. And, you know, it was something that I've had changed my life forever. You know, I'll never look at reality or myself or other people the same again because I had that near-death experience. And and I, when we talk about psychedelics, you know, I'm thinking like, to me, this is like, okay, I'm going to volunteer to have this experience <laughs> and, and, and come back a different person. And to me, that's like a brave thing for a person to do, to, 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 to do something and know that afterwards they're going to be different. Reality is going to be different. But it's all going to be in a better, more positive way. And that, that's sort of like my input. And now, you know, we have about 20 minutes that we're going to do sort of like a free-for-all where anybody can talk about what they want, when they want. So go for it. The round table is now officially open. <laughs> so who would I mean, like to go first? I, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to just, just say, say some just right away. It's like I, I got so much just from what everyone's sharing. You know, I just, I adore, you know, Chris, what, what you're talking about, this notion of the medicine and then that sense of having to work really hard to deny the vision of what that you're receiving, it can receive in these things. Um, and I just love the notion of mother's breath. What a beautiful image. And thank you so much. And so I, I just first wanted to, to give my thanks to that. And um, for me, I, I mean, there's so much stuff to be, that we, that can and should be said. I mean, thank God we at least had this tiny little opportunity. But, you know, for me, it's like, it's something like what Chris was talking about that, you know, I was a yogi for years. Um, I had these really profound, you know, meditation experiences. And in fact, probably some of the most profound mystical experiences in my life were, were not on psychedelics. It was, you know, with, um, I was a, a a disciple for about eight years of Swami Muktananda, and it was just incredibly intense and powerful and beautiful, uh, and serving that same sense of serving, you know, universal awakening. Um, so I, I think it's really important to recognize that psychedelics, though, as what Chris is mentioning, create what I, I, I like to call a, a democracy of mysticism, so that there's this potential all of a sudden that's really sort of new where we can open up ourselves with, with a proper set and setting, proper sort of intentionality, and with, and with the grace, which I think is really important to keep talking about. It's, like, it's not something that's just like produced by a chemical. This is like a flood of grace for me that gets manifested through these substances. You know, so that it's like we have this potential to open ourselves up in a regular, ongoing way to these levels of energy and consciousness that before were very sporadic and only for a real sort of a mystical elite, and usually monastics, usually people that could not participate fully in 
in sort of lived ordinary reality. There are some exceptions to that, for sure. You know, the tantric tradition, for instance, is one. But, but, but you know, I think that that's really important to, to, to emphasize. And the fact, sort of the flip side is that I was talking to one of these Santo Daimi elders, and I completely agree with what he told me. He said he thinks the best Daimistas, the best people in this case who are drinking this, you know, the Daimi, are people who are, have an ongoing meditation practice. Mm-hmm. No, and can learn how to still their minds and to focus their minds because, you know, and so I think if there's that both and the, these, these substances can open us up in a really regular ongoing way, at least to really feeling the force. I, I don't think you always get visions and these vast, quite clearly you don't, at least if you do, then I'm, you know, congratulations to you. But, but for me, it's like, Certainly that sense of being plugged into something really real, really vast, and to establish like what, what, um, you know, Solana, you were talking about with, with that notion of establishing relationships with these vast levels of reality that are typically unseen for us, and, and with beings that inhabit these, beings that really want our best and want us, to, want to help. Now, there's all sorts of other beings, too, but but if you can connect with those beings, it's like all of a sudden you've got allies, you've got friends, and you can be, you know, there can be a mutuality of, of interaction that's just so beautiful and can bring so much light and healing into the planet. So I'll, I'll, sh- I'll shut up for that. <laughs> Something like that. You know, how, uh, Stephen and I have talked about this quite a bit because we, we both maintain spiritual practices. I mean, I've been a practicing yogi daily for 53 years, although I've been involved with psychedelics for 56 years, so a little bit more of an edge. But um, <laughs> I would say this, that, uh, you know, in my estimation, at least for myself and for many people I know, uh, the psychedelics enhance practice uh, enhance yoga and meditation practice you know you you go along you you meditate every day you practice every day you do your breathing every day you do your focusing every day you, know, you try to stay stay open and aware and and all of that throughout the day and and in a compassionate and thoughtful way with as much intelligence as you can carry but the uh psychedelics give you you know a it, and i'm not talking micro dosing okay i'm talking the real deal you know, I dive off the big board into the deep end. Um, they, they provide a refre- actual refreshment. They refresh our spirits. And, and I, I would like to make one comment, Solana, that I, I don't disagree with, with your, uh, intent at all. But psyche, uh, actually the real origin of the world, psyche is all embracing. It's really the whole soul. So it's not just the head. Uh, so I, I think in that instance, I, I, I've come to really love the term psychedelics for that totality of being that it is expressed in that. But I do realize also that most people think, oh, you know, it ends at the neck. Um, it really hmm. doesn't end, period. Yeah. No, I, 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 actually, <laughs> I refer to it differently, but thank you for your interpretation yeah, uh, and, and how you have a love for it. Um, hmm. Yeah, again, and my problem is just because, you know, even how how mother's breath and psychedelics are being referred to and, like, the terminology, like, it's hurtful to me, it's hurtful to my heart and my relationships um, with mother's breath and plant medicines and hunting and 
where the water comes from, where the salt water starts is at the glacier melt, the top of the mountain, the mountains that hold the water. So when I hear just certain terminology around using, using medicine, like I, I just, I'm like, ah, no, cause I don't, I don't want to use you. I don't want to, I want I don't want you to use me either. And, and these plants, they hold space just like we do. Like, so I don't want to use them. I want to partner with them. I want to be with them. Like it's, it's the entire, it's the totality of the relationships and so the term psychedelics to me came from you know these white guys that took them from us. <laughs> yeah. you know i, I think that, that i think that, that like, the, the so language you're talking there, there about was relationships and so it's it's clear like the term is not a relational term it's like a it's it's not a it's not it's not an endearing term it's a it's a, i'm going to use this term i'm going to use this plant i'm going to use and like so that's that's all. But no, I just I being a death worker also more than a birth worker. I've been working death since I was three years old um, with loved ones and learning about Western medicine and understanding how strong Western medicines are and how they synthesize these natural plants and they can't synthesize as much as you know as strong as a plant is. We all know that. Like there's a natural strength. There's a natural love. There's natural things that these these plants draw from us in totality um, and without death work being part of the ceremonies or without death work being part of our our mindset or being part of our posture um, then really fully be in totality of anything if we're not ready to fully uh, let things die off and let let things let the bridges burn because you know what I'm a, I'm a canoe skipper you know, it's time to burn some bridges to certain ideologies. It's time to uh, rebuild and reweave new relationships, KNEW new, not just to Mother's Breath, but to each other. Like, I feel like, I, we, you know, Chris and I, like, I, I really want to get into this conversation with you. <laughs> and, and I feel like it can be a very good one. And that's what we need to do, brother. Like, we need to start healing our lineages and our wounds so that we can bring death to certain things and renewal to each other. Yeah. I think if I may say so that, um, you know, terminology is one level of things and, but it really ultimately comes down to the kind of things that people, that all three of you are talking about already, which is reverence and respect and, you know, the humility that comes from having that kind of relationship. And as you've said, Solana, um, you know, the relationship aspect of it, that, you know, and, and, and that's, you say it in this kind of gentle um, manner, but I think it's a revolutionary statement, actually, because, you know, in general, we, you know, we in the sort of modern world or whatever you want to call it these days tend to have a, a, a consume, a consumer attitude toward just about anything, you know, on the <laughs> planet. Um, but I, I'd like to ask uh, Chris uh, uh, another, a question, actually, um, because uh, it's, there is a chapter in the book about 5-MeO-DMT by Chad Charles, and it's getting a lot of attention these days. It's a very different medicine. Um, and I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts, Chris, on um, you know how you see that one coming in. It's getting pretty popular. Um, it's very different in its effect, it's very short acting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you see much potential for that one, or do you have any other comments on that? Well, Look, I, I think that it, it sort of hangs out there as a thing to do. And mm -hmm. as a, you know, if you're talking pure synthesized 5-MeO-DMT, 
Yeah, it's another brain active substance. Yes, people claim remarkable experiences with it. Uh, it is, I think, mercifully short. That's good. Um, hmm. It's not the same thing as 5-MeO-DMT within the matrix of co-occurring alkaloids and peptides in the exuded resin of Bufel alvarius. But on the other hand, I don't like the way the frogs are treated, so I'm not advocating that people go smoke toad. Um, we have, I mean, the, there are scads and scads and scads of mind-altering agents, okay? And the the question is, what what plants, what fungi that contain compounds with which we've co-evolved for billions of years. I mean, we haven't been around for billions of years, but I mean, the, the evolutionary process of all the plants and all the life on Earth has been around for this long. And we're completely integrated into that, and we're not integrated into uh, Zoloft. We're not integrated into the chemical structure of, uh, you know, any of the SSRIs or the thousand, thousands of drugs that are out there. Um, so really, which of these can help to deliver us to the most whole, complete understanding, consciousness and awareness and, and state of being while we're engaged with them and allow us to carry that forward? And I haven't heard a lot of people say, um, oh, you know, I did five MEO DMT and um, it gave me this valuable lesson that I'm carrying. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people say they did it, but I haven't heard people talk about it in the way that people talk about the other medicines, you know, ayahuasca, peyote, San Pedro, iboga, etc. So uh, I'm not, you know, does it get you loaded? Does it send you off? Does it provide a brilliant experience? Probably, but it's a synthetic chemical and I don't need it. Very interesting, yeah. I've had two full-on experiences with 5-MeO-DMT, and the first thing that came out of my mouth after about one second was, oh, my God. Um, and you have this sense that you are, you know, experiencing the real, but you can't. I couldn't put any language on it, and I didn't see um, uh, where to go with it or how to bring it back, you know. Um, so, anyway, and now that I'm talking again, I'd like to ask Bill a question, if I may. Um, Bill, clearly the work that you do and the path of Santo Daime is a lifelong path. So I just want to throw this one out to you. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, at one time at least, anyway, uh, more or less famous philosopher, writer, lecturer, etc., Alan Watts once said, when you get the message, hang up the phone in reference to psychedelics. So I guess the question is something like, um, at what point do you have you received enough teachings that you just need to do the walk? Yeah, well, I guess I would rephrase it differently. I would rephrase it that uh, I, I think that I used to think enlightenment was like an end state, like a static end. I think at this point that the divine fecundity is infinite and that I want to just continue to deepen into that light and that, that I want to be able to uh, really practice with my brothers and my sisters with this psychedelic sangha, with this c community of beloveds that I'm establishing profound energetic connections with and to, to have hours upon hours of being able to sing songs of beauty and love to, from the depths of my heart to, to these divine beings and gratitude. 
I want to, I want to have that more and more and more. And I want to have the opportunity more and more to, you know, take on d- difficult, dense energies and transform them in a conscious, heartfelt way for the sake of the planet. Right? Because so a lot of the Santo Daini work is what I talk about in liquid light is, is involves really profound levels of mediumship involves, um, opening ourselves up to, you know, to be conduits for these different and sort of have this two-ness and oneness or maybe actually five-ness and oneness of, of relation of, of consciousness is co-blending, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's so much beauty and depth and power to learn into and then so much to take on and to transform, right? And so I don't want to be just a servant of, you know, of myself and my own awakening. I want to be a servant of cosmic awakening. Right? To the depth of my ability. That's what I want. It's just, it's like, and, and I think that working with these medicines just allows us to continue to deepen into and, and to be, uh, aligned with this force of, of, which I think feels really profound, uh, spiritual transformation, you know, that, that, that our planet is calling for us. And let, let me, let me just say one, one image that I got for myself, and I'll end with this. Um, it was early Mirasang was, was a word in Portuguese for like a visionary experience. And it was really, really powerful. I saw the, our earth and it, there was like this just, we were flooded with divine light from all these divine beings. But that light itself was bringing up to the surface these like oozing, pustular, sort of black, oily secretions. <laughs> that was just because the light was just healing the earth but it was like but it was really rough and to me it's like that's sort of where we're at you know so it's that sense that that yeah things are really really rough but in some beautiful undercover sort of way it's because we're receiving so much light right now Hmm. beautiful also Stephen, if i can just throw in one quick comment I love Alan Watts and I read most of his stuff, but it doesn't, I don't think that every one liner he threw out is a banner to carry all the way to the horizon. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. 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 Well, I think Bill answered that one. Because of people you love and, and, you know, and, you know, you have a remarkable experience and everybody is nourished and refreshed and moved in heartfelt ways and, you know, goes away more cleansed and you know feeling a better person i mean uh, uh gee i i don't i kind of don't buy the line yeah indeed well i think bill also clarified it in one of his comments just then that you know w- there is no the message in that sense it's just an ever-deepening process right yeah and also um, I don't know if you guys have read um, uh, The Antipodes of the Mind by Benny Shannon, who also comes from the Santo Daimi tradition, I believe. And uh, if I... No? He did a lot of Santo Daimi ceremonies. I think oh, okay, yeah. Anyway, what I, if I've remembered it correctly, because it's about 20 or 30 years ago when I read that book, but I, my, my recollection is that he said... Um, taking ayahuasca is kind of like going to university or something like that. You you take a course, and that would be your encounter with the medicine in that particular session, and it gives you some teachings, it gives you some assignments, and then you, if you go back and you properly do your homework, you do your integration, then the, the next time you come back, it goes, oh, I see you did your homework. Now we can go farther. You, you think so, you guys, you folks? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice analogy. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Solana? <laughs> 
I'm thinking, and, you know, I'm thankful that I have uh, medicine of the horse and the canoe. So whenever you guys want to go onto the water, I'll skip for you around that journey. Um, that's that's what came to mind just now. Hmm. It's just a, just a joy to be able to meet, sort of see each one of you, you know, in this sort of way. And to, it's just so rare to be able to talk about things that are so important and to, to sort of see and hear the, the depth and the profundity and the heart that each of you are sharing is, is just, again, sort of a testament to what we're trying to talk about, right? Like, like how each of us, just in our own being, just by being ourselves, hopefully we're the planet, right? So that's why I've always loved, this is before, you know. Stephen, before. were you asking me to answer the question that you asked Phil? Oh, I'm sorry. I oh, didn't sorry. Really, I thought what was I, that? About the, um, uh, you know, when you get the message, hang up the phone, Al, Alan Watts comment. Do you want to, do you want to comment on that? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> um, I do. Thank you. Uh, it's just that the conversation went somewhere else very quickly. Um, so yeah, I feel like my, you know, my advocacy around mother's breath and psychedelics, um, and promoting healing, uh, indigenous based healing, right relationship to Mother Earth, I feel like there is not really a hanging up the phone ever because there's never a disconnection. There's hmm. never a disconnection. In fact, when I don't have cell service is when I'm super connected, right? Is when my phone is going wonky and or I'm in the mountains uh, without cell phone reception. Um, like that's, that's go time. And what I mean by that is all the healing work, you know, helping people, um, facilitate ceremonies, uh, advocate for plant medicines, advocating for right relationship, advocating for healing, for me is all driven by, to, for, and with um, protecting our babies, protecting our mothers, um, because that's what Mother Earth wants. Like that's, that's, she just wants us to know more of her story, but we have to be in right relationship. We have to be like in fullness to even relate to her, to even understand how sweet the rose can actually smell. Like, oh my God, like when you're healed, you know, you, your intuition, the multiple intelligences that come into play um, can do and make huge strides, not just in your own evolution of healing and connection and relativity and relationship to where you are physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, but in your neighborhood, in your community, wherever you go, and be able to not just have a good time and say a good prayer and lift people up, but actually put your foot down and step in for advocacy and help people, um, you know, who don't have access because of abuse or who don't have access because of wrong relationship to, you know, wicked. There's more people being hurt than there are people being healed. There's more babies being hurt than there are babies being fed. There's more harm than good. Like, this is complete chaos right now, and it's not okay. So for me, there's not... If I can just sing, you know, the loving ceremonial songs and, and brush off with the smoke of the medicine um, and drink my water, and, and if I know that, like, all the babies, at least in my family and my lineage and my circles are fed and well and safe and protected, then it's awesome. And I have yet to have that day. And that's not okay because I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one that knows 
of families or babies in distress and addicts who are parents and uh, people imprisoned in their own minds or in the facility and so on. And so, um, yeah, it's like, don't, don't need to hang up the phone. Like, let's just stay connected. It's okay. <laughs> because my, my relatives, the tree people, the cedar people, the wingets, the eagle, you know, like I have all those stories. And so I get to have those relationships too, and that's how I can feel my way to my loved ones. That's how come maybe my loved ones feel me thinking about them, or they're thinking I can feel them. Like we we all have practice in that, and mastering those intelligences and mastering those relationships can only advocate for more love for our babies, for our mothers and mother. If you'll notice, we each come at this a different way. Yes, I love that. Um, your 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 ardent devotion to the mothers and babies, you know, is is wonderful and touching and and lovely and appropriate and fair, and there should just be much more of it. And and you know, Bill, what you bring to this, and Stephen, what you bring to this, and the comments that you made, Gary. I mean, we all, you know, there is no single scene here. Yeah, there's endless, endless diversity, and the question is, how do we? in any way at all whether it's protecting the water or you know having an interaction with somebody that they just plain walk away from us feeling better about life that day whatever it is um i think that's the purpose of this of the psychedelics of the sacred plants and fungi to help us to be those agents and yes we need a lot more a uh, lot more people, and it's not going to take just psychedelics. It's going to take hundreds of millions of us devoting ourselves to this cause, as many of us already do. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is this is, I was I was gonna just wanted to just emphasize. I I, I think that um, I, I'm sure all of you are aware of that notion of the in Mahayana Buddhism of the Indra's net. You mm -hmm. know, where the notion of each, each, the net is made of entirely diamond, right? And they, each diamond completely reflects and refracts every other diamond in the net, right? So since that every node in the net, it contains the whole net, right? And to me, I love that, but I would even go so far to change it a little bit that each node is going to be reflecting all the other nodes in its own particular unique way. That can never be repeated in this ongoing, changing in an ongoing way. Right. So that's to me, it's just like what you were talking about, Chris, is that each one of us is hopefully a node in that network of light, you know, shining and receiving simultaneously. Right. And each of us, you know, in essence, sort of uh, the Buddha in the center of our own mandala of, uh, and so hopefully we can make the, the mandala, the surrounding, Buddha field that we live in as beautiful and uplifting as possible, each in our own particular way. It's like, thank you so much, Solana, for the work you're doing, right? And just and the work that each one of us is doing. Yeah. Give my thanks in my heart. Mm. Yeah. Like thank you, Christopher and Bill, for your words and I could have just sat here and listened for a long time and not been <laughs> Thank you, Stephen and Gary, as well. Thanks. Yeah. So I want to ask like uh, another question um, for for everyone, and 
Now, it's kind of a personal question, I guess, you know, but somebody at my job knows I do this podcast and gave me a couple packets of cybacillin gummies. And like I mentioned earlier, I haven't done this since high school, you know, but I, I already know like, you know, how to do it, the playlist and, and, and having a sitter and all that because I've done, you know, tons of these interviews. But one of the things I wonder though is afterwards, like after, after the experience, after the integration, how do I use that experience to make the world a better place? Like, what do I do? Like, after the internal part takes place, how do I take that internal experience and make it into an external feeling to help bring it out into you know, this 3D reality? That um, is the integration. Mm -hmm. There so, is no after the integration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the integration yeah. is carrying the medicine into the world and, and mm -hmm. using the realizations that you get in, in all circumstances, if possible. Yeah. yeah. So maybe um, uh, that's a kind of interesting question that people could expand on a little. And um, each, maybe, if, if you're ready for this, Gary, and mm -hmm. the rest of you, just make this the sort of the final... Yeah. Round, go around, you know, give each person a couple more minutes to uh, make a sort of a summation comment. What do you think? Hmm? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take it away, Gary. <laughs> uh, that, that was sort of the question. Like, you know, I, ha I have them. I'm going to try it. And then, you know, what do I do with that? Like, 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 for example, I'll give you an example. Like, the near-death experience is what gave birth to this podcast. You know what I mean? I had that experience. I wanted an ex explanation for it. I started the podcast. I interviewed tons of other people that had these experiences. Found out, you know what? This is was a really a real experience. It wasn't my imagination. And then, as a result, it grew even more into like this idea of like, you know, I want to use this to help people expand. Their, their realities a little bit, you know, because that's the only way I see the world kind of working in any functional way is if people become more open to more possibilities. If people can't see the possibilities, they're not going to go down those roads, hmm. you know, and that's kind of how I, I view this also. Like, you know, if I, if I have this experience, it's going to open up these possibilities and then that gives me more roads to travel down. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll take that one and make my final statement here because uh, that was good, Gary. Um, and it reminded me of uh, the famous, uh, uh, to me anyway, and other people, um, but he's a little past his time now. He's not on the planet anymore. Uh, the accidental uh, philosopher of malapropisms or whatever, uh, Yogi Berra, um, who, <laughs> yes, Chris knows him. Um, and he... he he, he tended to say these things that on the surface didn't really make any seem seem to make any sense but then you know when you went oh okay this i'm some this actually does make sense so i'm not sure if i got the words right but he once said something like um you you need to know where you're going because if you don't you might end up somewhere else um, <laughs> so that's um that to me is kind of again why why I wanted to put this book together, you know, to give people, as Dwayne Elgin says, um, uh, you know, some plausible, uh, you know, hope, a story that that can be believed. You know, Terence McKenna had a saying, um, but it wasn't his actually. I think he got it from William Blake and then adapted it into modern uh, terminology. And the way Terence said it was, um, if the truth can be told in a way that 
uh, so as to be understood, it will be believed. Um, so uh, obviously speaking, sharing is only one way of uh, working and so on and so on, but mm -hmm. it's kind of my territory to, to be participating in that kind of thing. And so that's what my prayer is, my hope is. Um, and I just want to add this one too. Uh, um, I, I think all all of you in one way or another, although I, th I forget who, when it, maybe it was a Bill or, or Chris, um, uh, made some reference to um, uh, you know this inner peace. And uh, um, I, I don't know how um, the wisdom of Jesus actually escaped the uh, the heavy hand of the of the Christian institution for two thousand years, but I think this is one of them um, and that he is reputed to have said uh, or re make it reference to the peace that passes all understanding. And um, uh, uh, Chris, and, and I'm thinking partly of what you said, Chris, about you know once you've had that sort of full experience of the connection, or, or however you want to term, term uh, call it, um, you know, it's always there as a as a kind of a light pulling you on or guiding you on. And uh, so, you know, I, I still have a lot of work to do to, to fully trust that divine light myself. Um, but I have had some experiences like that. Uh, one of them was in the uh, in the teepee in the Native American church when um, everything just stopped. Usually there's something going on, like the songs are going around or somebody's speaking a prayer out loud. But at one point, about four or five in the morning, everything just kind of stopped. And um, and uh, I myself, anyway, I don't know what other people, I think other people were experiencing it too because it just felt like that in the teepee. Was there was just this absolute perfect stillness um, uh, and everything just felt that way. It just felt like this is the peace that passes all understanding, and um, and it's infused with love. Um, so maybe I'll end my comment with this and turn it over to you guys because we're, I think, on a, from my point of view, Gary, we're on a good schedule, and there's time mm -hmm. to ex you know yeah, extemporize a bit more. Um, the very last chapter of the book is two pages long, and um, uh, um, it's uh, some, it's something that Bruce Damer, one of the he, who also wrote another chapter in the book, um, uh, I, I knew he had this little anecdote about Terence McKenna, and I asked him if he could we could make that the, the very last chapter of the book. And um, so the story is that uh, for anyone who knows Terence McKenna, he was um, he was very articulate, very eloquent, and a lot of it was elaborate, and 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 arguably a lot of it was speculative as well. You know, you could you know, philosophizing about things about 2012 and all these different connections and so on and so on. And um, he died of a um, of a terrible um, frontal cortex uh, um, uh, uh, cancer. When he was about 52 years old, I believe, and um, Bruce wasn't there, but he he knew the people well who were in the room at the time with Terrence, and he'd been fading in and out with the morphine and things like that. It was very near the end of his life, um, and at one moment he suddenly sat up and said to the people in the room, "Psychedelics, they're not about all that stuff. They're about love." <laughs> <laughs> So that's my that's my final comment. Yeah. Oh dude. Anyone next? <laughs> Bill? Sure, sure. Um yeah, I mean for me I think that I I I feel just tremendous gratitude at the having the honor and the privilege and the grace to be able to 
you know, be working and, and be in relationship, working with and be in relationship with these just profound agents of transformation, you know, the, these beings that work in and through this, this at least certainly the sacrament that I work with, and to be able to do it in an ongoing way with a group of people who I love and, to, and is a genuine community where we're supporting each other and we're, re- we're really willing to interact with each other in, in ways that are seeking the highest for each, each person. Obviously, oh. that's the intention, right? Um, and then falling down and picking ourselves up, hopefully, and being patient with ourselves and kind and learning to, this is more, you know, almost like responding directly to you, Gary, you know, like, you know, so having these experiences, being really opened up and being really shown a lot and linked up and reconfigured, all of that, and then to give myself the time and the patience and the heartfelt willingness to want to listen to the guidance that that's going to sort of bubble up if I'm paying attention right and so that sense of like how can I what can I what can I carry into this world from the ceremony to me is like I carry into the world hopefully the highest vibration heart that I know how the most consciousness I know how the the, the most desire to be as present and and centered and grounded in my heart in each moment with each person as I can, right? And just just to be simple and and in my heart, you know. And so to me, it's like that's what I I want to feel that as a result from from just ongoing linking up and with with the, in my case with with the time. That, that, that's my sort of offhand way to respond to that and, and sort of sum up a little. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher? Each of us, um, if we're intentional, has some sort of a navigational pole star. Um, you know, uh, our lives have direction to them and, and we can either sort of wander about and make discoveries that way and accidentally. And sometimes that's very rich and rewarding. But also if we set a trajectory, um, you know, a purposeful trajectory, then, um, usually we can find more fulfillment and we can also engender relationships that are just more fu- mutually fulfilling with others. Uh, my grandfather was a minister and um, he had a saying that I have carried with me forever, ever since I was a little kid. It was really simple. It was do good and forget it. <laughs> so, um, I know this guy who every time there's a meeting he tells the same stupid story about walking down the street in new york city and there was an old lady there and she needed money and he gave her a dollar and and she said god bless you and he said give me the money back and he gave her a five in its place it's probably the only time he ever did something for anybody and he talks about it all the time um you know the people that you really come to admire in life I mean, if, if you're a caring person are the ones who just constantly are doing good for others and, and they don't talk about it, they don't have to, they don't boast about it. They don't say, Hey, the other day I helped us. They don't need to do that. So um, I think that one of the possibilities with psychedelics in terms of helping to make the world a better place 
is helping you to fix on your navigational pole star, uh, carry your own personal principles that give you trajectory and direction. I like the do good and forget it. You know, I think it's simple and, and easy to understand. And if you can pull it off, you do help to make the world a little bit better place. And the realizations that come from the psychedelics or the sacred medicines or however you wish to express it, give us the refreshment and the energy and the drive and the, the you know, brilliant vision to keep doing that again and again and again. Thank you. Solana? Yeah, thank you. Christopher and Bill for your responses and Stephen, I appreciate the the death story of what he said that psychedelics are about love and I want to respond to that and um, yeah I feel like that you know regarding your question Gary um, another way to imagine that I invite people to imagine regarding the integration time, regarding the conversations afterwards or the gatherings, you know, a week later and beyond. Uh, these ceremonies are for them to um, not just integrate it and remember the feelings, rather, um, I invite them to find it in their bodies and, and then that allows them to they don't have to think about letting anything go to, to continue this behavior or like to bring this forward or to do this good work um, from, from the medicine that they got, like the healing. Um, so then what it allows people to do is not just compartmentalize, but respect and regather and remember all the parts of themselves because the healing, the, the need to heal, right? the conflict of healing is already started once you're in pain, emotional pain, physical pain, mental, spiritual, um, any kind of pain like that is inviting that healing to come. <clears throat> so instead of it, you know, asking people to only focus on the integration or what came during the ceremony, um, I invite people to, you know, either create baskets or jars, um, for all these things that they think, or that they feel like they need to let go of, or they feel like they need to move forward. Um, because as, as everyone on this call knows, uh, usually we get better at certain lessons. Like we think that we're done with something and then a year, five years later, it's like, oh my God, it's the same kind of thing. Oh wow, this is way different, this is way deeper. And so I never want to completely abandon or let go of things in order to integrate or in order to move things forward in a good way. Um, rather just kind of make sure that, um, I label them remember when stories because from our remember whens we can have creation stories and from creation stories comes ceremony from ceremony comes your belly button. And so if we can just, um, regather and remember all these parts of all these issues or conflicts or, or asks of healing or asks of changing or, or death, um, you know, then, then we become better storytellers and we become better facilitators and better, um, sisters and brothers. Uh, because if I don't care of myself and, and, and manage and remember and honor all my pain and honor all my 
my mental, emotional, spiritual, physical breakages and reweavings and regenerating and rehealing and recovering and remembering all these parts, then I won't be able to, you know, hold your hand truly in ceremony. I won't be able to really feel your heart when we're talking about integrating uh, those precious moments. I won't be able to really have compassion or be authentic with you, um, you know, going forward if, if it's not taken care of. And so that that's what I would advise is to um, just be very honoring and respectful of, of these things that, that we're healing, that we're getting rid of, that we're transforming, um, because there's a story there. And that story, that's how we get people is we tell a story. You know, mm -hmm. that's how we... That's how we heal too. Just one of the ways. Awesome. Wow, this has been a great, great, great episode. It was like a really an honor to have all of you on today. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed too is after doing something like this, I feel hope. I feel hope for, for the planet and for people, which is not something that I feel very often, you know? Mm. And, and that's why I kind of do this, you know, like not all my episodes leave me feeling hopeful because I try to be fair to everybody and who I interview. But I love these type of interviews that I can walk away from and be like, yeah, yeah, we can actually spread this type of love out there. You know, whether it's to me, honestly, it doesn't matter whether it's through psychedelics, meditation, um, enhancing psychic abilities, um, binaural beats. Like, there's so many different ways now to, you know, move the, get the brain to move around in like different ways, you know, so we can see things from different perspectives. Um, you know, and I try to get all that out there in a way that can get people hope, you know, and, and hopefully a better world. And I feel really, really good after doing this and listening to you guys. And this was like a real honor to host. Thank you for, for putting this together, Stephen. And thank, thank you, everyone, you for being here. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you, Gary, for, you know, opening, opening this channel up for, for these people. And thank you, um, Chris and Bill and Solana for your really beautiful words and wisdom. Much appreciated. Um, uh, if you guys have like another two or three minutes after we stop the recording, it'd be nice if we could just have a, a quick, you know, kind of casual goodbye, as it were, if that's mm -hmm. okay with you, Gary. Yeah. And, and, and do you guys like want to take like a minute each to promote your work? Yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll start with uh, Stephen. I'll go around the screen again. <laughs> right. Um, uh, well, I've got the Stephen Gray Vision YouTube channel where I've interviewed uh, people like this, and we'll be interviewing um, Bill uh, in connection with our Spirit Plant Medicine Conference that I mentioned at the beginning, by the way. Mm -hmm. So that's on November 3rd to 5th in Vancouver, and it's a wonderful gathering. It's it's rare, I think. Uh, I hope Chris would agree with me um, in the sense that we have a really strong community energy and connection uh, at this conference. We keep uh, everything in one room, um, and... Uh, um, yeah, there's just a developing energy that's really lovely, and we get a lot of fantastic uh, speakers, um, and I'm very excited about the collection of people that are coming this year again, including Bill Bernard and Chris Killam um, that we just mentioned earlier. Um, and other than that, uh, you know, there's some other things that I do, but people can find me if they need to, and and uh, I really hope, uh, uh, I, I believe passionately in this vision and this prayer, and um, I, I hope that people will find this book and benefit from it and share it with others and so on so uh -ho, thank you <laughs> thank you uh, bill sure um 
Yeah, um, I just published this book, Liquid Light, Ayahuasca Spirituality and the Santo Daime Tradition. Um, this is with Columbia University Press, and I'm so thrilled to be able to finally share it. It's, it's been a work of love for the last, uh, it took basically about 15 years of research. And, um, and you know, so it's like, I just want, I'm just, I've been able to talk a lot more about the book and ideas from the book and then to be, uh, begin to have these sorts of conversations is just such a treat to me. And, and honestly, to meet each one of you is just an honor and, a, and just, I can't wait to sort of hopefully deepen the connection and just to feel that, again, that sense of what I was talking about, that sort of a psychedelic sangha, that sense of like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're each doing this beautiful, beautiful task of uplifting humanity, each in our own way, each with our own heart. Right. So, I, so anyway, so it's been a real joy to be able to, uh, do that. I have a website, um, it's www.liquidlightbook.com. And there, you know, I've got, um, I've received like, uh, 37 hymns and it's like, I have all, all the link to my hymns, which is just, I, it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to share with people. And the biography of, uh, the founder of, of, of this tradition and, you know, what I call Santo Daimi 101, Psychedelics 101, just, just these different documents of how to sort of, uh, Deepen into some of the themes that I'm, I'm, I've been exploring. So that's, that, I'm doing that. And then I, I, I lead some discussion. I lead a, a study group on this beautiful tantric scripture called the Vijnana Bhairava. I do that once a week and then lead, uh, periodic these about right now I'm doing about once a month, something called, I call the heart of awakening, which are these just workshops to help people non, non sacrament based, but just trying to help people deepen into, you know, this, that process of awakening. And becoming more and more transparent to that light and love we're all talking about. Anyway, that's that's where I'm at. Thank you, Chris. Uh, quickly, you can go to my website, medicinehunter.com, which has links to my 15 or 16 books and a few hundred TV shows, and uh, tells about my work with indigenous communities around the world, uh, developing sustainable chains of botanical trade. And also, you can uh, look at my YouTube channel, which is Medicine Hunter, and there I've got a you know a ten part series on ayahuasca, and uh, I've got uh, a number of the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference uh, talks that Stephen is well familiar with, and a number of other things. So, again, MedicineHunter.com and uh, Medicine Hunter on YouTube. Thank you very much. Thank you, and Solana. Hi. I can't wait to check out your guys' um, sites and your book, Bill. Exciting. Um, I mostly have a dream of opening the doors of my own Recover Me and Wellness Center. We'll be focusing on the Star Blanket Teachings, which is a collaboration and interweaving of the Chilkat Blanket, which is an ancient uh, weave that my lineage did it's it's like mathematicians aren't able to figure out how we weave our circles um so it's so exciting to weave that into the medicine wheel teachings uh reinterpreted through the creation stories through the chill cat blanket and the star stories um co-creating this modality to open the doors of my recover me wellness center that would be a dream if everyone could just even hear that 
um, as and then promoting storytelling to healing. I have a YouTube channel, Teacher Solana, or if you YouTube Solana Booth. Um, yeah, always open to share stories and um, go hunting for lots of different medicines. I would love to invite you guys north, Christopher, um, you and your family to the mountains <laughs> up where I come sure. from and bring you to where the mountains were born. So beautiful. Um, thank you again for this help, for this work, for this reaching out. Um, I agreed to do this call because sharing my work and listening to my loved ones, my dear ones that I haven't had conversations with about the work that I do, because I know you do the same work. I know your heart is good. Like, thank you for what you do. It's so empowering for me because I'm uh, struggling with a few things in my life. And this, even being able to talk about the work is like uplifting and feels good and very needed for today. Thank you. Beautiful. Oh, thank you everyone for, for being on and I'll put the links to all your work in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you guys, reach out to you, check out your YouTube channels, read your books and, um, you know, all, check out all the content that has been released by you and keep getting this word out and the knowledge out and keep educating people on all these different things that are available to them and different experiences that they can have. And it's been a pleasure hosting this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, and just hang on for a moment, and I'll play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.